0: the truth news network from sea to shining sea across the fruited plain the land of the free and the home of the brave is denied permission to talk about hear about read about real news denied by three corporations with ties to our political enemies where do you get your doses of the truth t-n-n The Truth News Network,
1: and your anchor is Dan Newman. Tell you what, you can bet every time you read one of our stories or you turn on the show, TNN Live, you're going to hear facts, nothing but the truth. And we may share a rumor every now and then, once in a while, just to let you know some of the stuff that's floating around out there that you may not have heard. But when we do that, if it sounds like it's a pretty important thing, We're going to keep digging until we get the facts, good or bad, but then come back and say, you know that thing we talked about yesterday or the day before? We verified at Truth News Network. It isn't true. It's just not true. Yeah, that's what we do here, and we do it every, every day. What are we going to do here today, folks? What do you want to do? Normally on Friday, news days are slow. But in this administration, it just seems like that um, they try to let the stuff that's going to make them look bad, they try to hold it off until after the normal daytime news operations are through for the weekend, and then they'll release it. Well, they got busted this morning early with an inflation report. It's mind-boggling. We're going to talk about that first, and then we're going to Chicago our buddy Jesse Smollett yesterday's been in this trial for that hoax that he allegedly pulled out. Well, it's not allegedly anymore. He's convicted of five of six charges against him, and we're going to um, we're going to go up there and listen to some real news reports about what happened to Jesse Smollett in the courtroom in Chicago, and then you're going to hear from the president, also, Stuart Varney, along with Ted Cruz. So you're going to hear from them, you're going to hear from me, and of course you. If you want to join the show, give us a holler. Toll free, 866-37-TRUTH. That's 866-378-7884. If you want to add something for us to discuss, if you want to confront me with anything that you hear here, or maybe something you don't hear here, or if you just want to give us some new news, please do so, anytime. This is your show. Well, Joe Biden and his White House, they got another bad story first thing this morning. The Labor Department said the consumer price index, you know what that is. That's the cost of goods that we have to pay. You know, those things like groceries and uh, gasoline, housing cost, shipping cost, everything you go to buy today is more expensive ...than two or three weeks ago. Definitely, hellaciously more expensive than it was a year ago. What's changed in the last year? Joe Biden. It's Biden inflation. And it's bad, folks. It is bad. The number is this. The the consumer price index, which measures how much more things are costing for Americans... Last month it rose by 6.8% from just a year ago. 6.8% since last November, you know, when Joe was elected president. That was the fastest 12-month pace since 1982, and the sixth straight month of inflation above 5%. Who's been in charge? Who's been the boss? Who's been... The one making all the economic decisions, Joe Biden. The core price index, which is one that the experts really look at because it leaves out the volatile categories of food and energy. You know, those things don't really matter, right? Well, it still increased, leaving that out 4.9% in November from a year earlier, a faster pace of price hikes than November's, which was 4.6%. In other words, folks, we have the most rampant inflation in the United States of America that we've had since right at the end of the Jimmy Carter presidency, all the way back to 1980. What does all this mean, Dan? Well, folks, there's one simple fundamental regarding inflation and CPI, the Consumer Price Index. you got so much that you can buy, And you have so much money with which you buy the things that you can buy. And most Americans are on a budget. Maybe they don't formally prepare one, write it down. But folks, everybody knows what date of the month you're going to get paid, how much you normally are going to make, and then you have your housing cost, whether you rent or whether you're a mortgage holder, then you have fundamental things like utilities. Um, food, cost of transportation, all those things, they don't change every month. But what's changing is how much the cost of all those things that you have to go spend money on are going through the roof. But they don't want to talk about that. I heard one of the White House economists just outside in front of the White House this morning saying it's not nearly as bad as it sounds. Energy prices, because Biden put that fuel out into the marketplace, that oil from our strategic oil reserves, that made a huge difference. Folks, it was two and a half days worth of oil, two and a half days of our average daily consumption here in the United States. That didn't make a difference. The only thing that determines the cost of these kinds of things like fuel at the pump is how much it costs to get them for those who sell us those things. So what what's happened on the supply side? What's happened over there? Well, we know about the problem with the uh, supply chain issues. And of course, Joe Biden told us last week he had fixed it. The numbers of containers at the Los Angeles, the two ports in California, the two biggest in the United States, those container ships, they're down in number by 41% because of his policies. He forgot. Nobody told him the morning that he said that before he got up and gave the speech. It was released from California. Their container ships out in the harbor there had reduced, had been reduced. And you know why? not because they're doing a better job unloading these things and getting them on rail cars and trucks, but because production in China and Malaysia and Indonesia, where we get most of those goods that come into the West ports, they're not coming over. They're shutdowns in Malaysia, Indonesia, and China. Of course, Joe Biden takes, he takes responsibility for everything good, but he won't, take responsibility for any of the bad stuff, even though he always says, the buck stops here. I got this. It's all on me. (laughs) It's all on me. Well, what about Mr. Smollett up in Chicago? Just got to the chase and tell you, he was charged with six felony uh, uh, felony events, things that he did. He was convicted by the jury five out of the six so um, let let me go. Let me just turn to somebody else, so you can get the details. Here's a report from Network News about the Jesse Smollett guilty verdicts that were brought by the trial uh, by the trial jury yesterday.
2: We're going to begin tonight with the verdict just in in the trial of actor Jesse Smollett, found guilty on five of six counts. After nine hours of deliberations, Smollett had been charged with filing a false police report in 2019 and several other counts after claiming he was the victim of a racist and homophobic attack. Prosecutors say he staged it all. Two brothers, former extras on the TV program Empire, claim Smollett paid them to fake the attack. Tonight, that verdict, finding the actor, as I mentioned, guilty on five out of six counts, including filing a false police report in a fake hate crime case. So let's get right to Alex Perez, live in Chicago, following this case from the start for us. Alex?
3: David, hard to believe in January, it'll be three years since this ordeal began. That jury deliberating here at the Cook County Courthouse for nine hours over the course of two days, delivering a split verdict just moments ago. Tonight, a jury in Chicago finding actor Jesse Smollett guilty on five counts of felony disorderly conduct and not guilty on one count of felony disorderly conduct. Prosecutors argued Smollett staged a racist and homophobic attack on himself back in January of 2019 when he told investigators he was walking home from this subway shop and two men attacked him, yelling racial and homophobic slurs and putting a noose around his neck. Authorities began questioning Smollett's story when he declined to fully cooperate with the investigation. The prosecution's star witnesses, the Osindaro brothers, who testified Smollett, hired them to carry out the attack. But the defense argued in court that investigators rushed to judgment, Smollett himself taking the stand, telling the jury the ordeal was not a hoax and contradicting the Osindaro brothers, saying on the witness stand that they were trying to extort $2 million from him. But during cross-examination, then said the brothers never directly contacted him for the money. Smollett also testifying he and one of the brothers, Ebimbolo Osindaro, had sexual encounters. And David Smollett could face up to three years in prison on those felony charges that he was convicted on, but he likely will not face any prison time because he has no criminal record. He's likely to face just probation or community service. The judge has said he can remain free on his bond until he is sentenced at a later date.
1: It's going to be interesting to see what his sentencing is going to um, constitute time served or maybe a slap on the wrist. I just can't imagine with this highly covered, highly televised, highly reported on uh, case for two years now, especially the way it happened in the very beginning. Jesse Smollett is African-American. He's also a gay man, and uh, the two people that he put this uh, conspiracy uh, conspiracy together with are African-American weightlifters, really big buff guys. And it just made the perfect scene because they supposedly were wearing MAGA hats and were Trump supporters, rabid Trump supporters, which is odd. There are not a lot of um, people from the upper Midwest African-American people that are Trump supporters, or at least weren't a couple of years ago. So it just smelled bad. But boy, that didn't stop a lot of folks on the left, the Democrat Party, even leaders weighing in. In the very beginning of this, like uh, then-candidate, but now President Biden, here's what he said back then, January of 2019, what happened today to Jesse Smollett must never be tolerated in this country. We must stand up and demand that we no longer give this hate safe harbor, that homophobia and racism have no place on our streets or in our hearts. We are with you, Jussie. Well, Joe got one part of it right. One part of it didn't happen. It all didn't happen, but even allegations of Joe were off base. Jussie's black. The brothers that supposedly perpetrated this attack on Jussie Smollett are also black. As usual, Joe doesn't have all the facts, or if someone gave them to him, he forgot. And then there was Vice President Kamala Harris. This is a big deal, boy. She's African American, as you know. She's really not. She's Jamaican and Indian by heritage. But nevertheless, she's a woman of color. She looks at this and she politicizes everything to do with race. If you ever heard her in Senate hearings when she was a U.S. senator, she always immediately goes to the race card. Here's what she said back in 2019. She called the alleged attack modern day lynching. Modern day lynching. The vicious attack on actor Jussie Smollett was an attempted modern day lynching. I'm glad he's safe. To those in Congress who don't feel the urgency to pass our anti lynching bill designating lynching as a federal hate crime, I urge you to pay attention. Al Sharpton even got in the game. He claimed that the guilty must face the maximum for the alleged crime committed against Smollett. Well, the guilty, Reverend Sharpton, is Jesse Smollett. Do you still feel the same way that he must face the maximum sentence for his no longer alleged crimes, but his crimes? Let's call it what it is, a vicious hate crime. That's former DNC chairman Tom Perez. My heart goes out to Jussie's family. All of us at the DNC are praying for his full recovery. Even Eric Swalwell. You remember Eric Swalwell? Who was he? Well, for the purpose of this story, he's a little white guy from Southern California. What happened to Jesse Smollett? It's vile. It's tragic. Thankfully, he will recover. But hate crimes like this are happening more frequently, egged on by careless, hate-filled rhetoric. We start reducing these crimes by rejecting the speech. Neither can ever be accepted as normal. Hate speech. Hate speech. AOC got in the game. So did Bernie Sanders, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Pretty much every prominent Democrat in the nation chimed up when it all happened with support for Smollett. Not the rule of law. Not just stopping at innocent until proven guilty. But they just jumped right after to be politically correct. And you just heard that report coming out of Chicago. Five of six. Felony, all of them. I can't even imagine a scenario where Americans are going to accept anything less than some jail time. I get it. I get it. Nobody died. It wasn't anything like that. In the case of Jesse Smollett and pretty much anybody, folks, it's supposed to always be colorblind unless it was or is specifically a hate crime. And if it's a hate crime, by jingles, charge the alleged perpetrator, With hate crime. That's a federal offense. But to go out there, and and nobody's talking about what happened 4,000 man hours investigating this Jussie Smollett case by the Chicago cops. 4,000 man hours. Imagine the cost. It's got to be well over a quarter of a million dollars. Do you think maybe? When it's time for sentencing, a judge is going to consider that and throw it out there for Jesse, because he's supposedly pretty well off. I've never seen him on television, but I understand that that series that he's in has been basically successful. So he's got some bucks. He just ought to stand up and take accountability for what he did. So that all came out. It was big news. Everybody was covering it. Everybody had it top to bottom yesterday. Well, no, that's not true. When all this happened, if you remember correctly, and it comes as no surprise if you never saw any of it, but CNN nor MSNBC would even ever stop talking about how horrible this was, what happened to Justice Smollett and those two brothers wearing those MAGA hats, put a noose around his neck. It's unbelievable. It's a modern-day lynching, and they just went on and on and on and on for days and days and days. Well, the host of MSNBC's primetime lineup, they have oddly avoided the ongoing scandal surrounding him. It was okay to talk about that modern-day lynching thing. They stayed stone silent both Wednesday and Thursday nights about a story that pretty much every news outlet on earth has commanded the attention of the news media. All in with Chris Hayes, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell, and The Eleventh Hour with Brian Williams did not utter Smollett's name Wednesday night or last night. This is while news was unfolding that Smollett was being charged with orchestrating an elaborate hoax involving two bogus crimes, one involving an alleged attack and one involving a letter, a threatening letter allegedly all in order, just for Jesse to get a pay raise. To downplay or ignore the Jesse Smollett hate crime hoax folks, it's a politically biased journalistic choice. The Smollett case represents the collapse of a cherished MSNBC false narrative. It's this is just another one. Rachel Maddow, you remember that breathless, tease that they put out a day before Maddow's big reveal. You know what her big reveal was? She had gotten one of Donald Trump's personal tax returns. O-M-G. And they trumpeted it all day one day, all day the next day before her show. When she went live on the air, she teased it in her opening. Never begin to get in the details of what she had in her grubby little mad owl hands until about 2025, 20, maybe even on the half hour of her show. And you know what the horror of that tax return revealed about Donald Trump? I think it was in 2015 tax return. He only paid $15 million in income tax. That's all he paid. <laughs> MSNBC hasn't said a word about Jesse Smollett. I haven't looked at their ratings lately, but you can bet they're in the tank. You know, there hadn't been any other things happening around D.C. or elsewhere, right? <laughs> That's wrong. Have you heard about what's been going on this week in the Senate? I'm not talking about the bill back stupid bill. I'm talking about the debt limit. Well, yesterday the Senate voted to approve a one-time exemption to the filibuster. One time, they said. They couldn't get around the filibuster permanently. They couldn't ditch the filibuster. Joe Manchin said he would never let that happen. But they talked everybody enough of Those in the Senate, they talked enough of them to get it passed, to raise the debt ceiling, capping off a months-long fight over the debt limit. I don't understand why they do this over and over and over and over again because every time it's getting resolved. It's got to be resolved. The only way it would never be resolved was if we ever had a balanced budget and there was no need to borrow money, more money than you have coming in. But three and a half trillion dollars a year that won't fund this government. So here, here's how it rolled out. Senators voted 59 to 30 fee, 59 to 35 on the legislation. It also prevents cuts to Medicare, which that was a biggie for most everybody in the Senate. Ten GOP senators voted with Democrats to pass it. GOP Senators, Joni Ernst of Iowa, Roger Wicker of Mississippi, who helped advance the bill earlier, voted against it last night. It cleared the House earlier this week, now goes to President Biden's desk. Once he signs it, Democrats will be able to bring up and pass a debt ceiling increase with only a simple majority instead of the normal 60 votes needed for most legislation. I, the book's out for me on this. I've studied every angle of it, folks, and I cannot see how this could ever be considered to be a win-win. And the fact that these senators caved and what they did is more than just this one incident, folks. Do you understand what they did? There's never been an exemption for the filibuster. What is the filibuster if you don't know what it is? In the Senate, there are certain things come coming to be voted on that require a 60-vote win you got to get 60 votes in the Senate to win on a particular type of bill. Typically, it's about money. Why is that? Well, I mean, it's very seldom that you have a 50-50 Senate where the Senate represents each side half of the United States voters. Very seldom ever. So there has to be a way to not let whoever is in the majority, if you didn't have this thing the filibuster, they could have one more vote. Think about that, 51 to 49. One more senator that's either Republican or Democrat. Any issue that comes across, it's going to go whichever party has that 51st member that is caucusing with their party. There's no way it'll work. So they came up. The Senate did this. It's not in the Constitution, but the Senate makes their own rules. The Constitution said that's the way it's done. Senate and House each make their own rules of operations. The Senate years and years ago created the filibuster to protect the minority parties in the Senate. And folks, it cuts both ways. No parties in history been perpetually in power in either house of Congress. It comes and goes. Typically, our forefathers expected, and they were right, that this was going to even out over time. Sometimes, The left is going to be in power politically. Sometimes the right is. Once Biden signs this, they have no, no reign at all on how much they, I'm talking about Democrats, raise the debt limit to. That's a scary thought. Now, Democrats haven't even said how much they're going to increase the nation's debt limit, but they will need to specify a number when they pass a bill, but they can pass it with 51 votes instead of the 60 that have been required by the filibuster rules that they made for many, many years. Now, there's a big story out there, folks, a big story out there, and it is a COVID story. Nobody on Fox broke this news. Nobody at Breitbart, nobody at One America Network or Newsmax broke it. It was broken by Glenn Beck. You remember Glenn Beck? He had a show, a nighttime show on uh, Fox News for some time, and he got crossways with some of the big shots upstairs at Cox Media, and so they ended his show. And he went out on his own. He's always been an extremely conservative investigative reporter. I like him a lot. And he talked about it. He put it out in the forefront of what's going on with Tucker Carlson. So we've got the story. We have so much more coming down the pike today. It's Friday. Going into a weekend. You're getting ready for Christmas shopping if you haven't already done it. Guys, I know you haven't. You always, like me, wait till the last minute. But while you're doing that, you need to go into the weekend with a lot of facts. We're going to do that. Don't forget tomorrow, too. We have our Saturday bullet points where we hit all of the top stories of the week. So you can just scan them and make sure you didn't miss anything big this week. Got a lot. Stay here. Back after this. Now
0: more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth.
2: TNN.
0: The Truth News Network.
2: It's scared if the Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to polandspring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select so like sizes only 20 m 700 milliliter, 1 liter and 1.5 liter size bottles.
0: In a world where a president can be censored by social media in his own country, you need a break from the madness. Your doctor of sanity again,
1: Dan Newman. This Glenn Beck story about Dr. Fauci and some of Dr. Fauci's um, brothers in his conspiracy stuff. Big revelation came out that Glenn Beck dug it out. Now, we looked and looked and looked to find the video of Glenn Beck. He was on Tucker Carlson's show late Wednesday. And, of course, always, typically, Fox News and every news agency, somebody there puts their show um, in in total on uh, that network's YouTube channel. And we're able to get a video and convert it into just audio and bring it to you here. But for some reason, YouTube hasn't put up the Tucker Carlson with Glenn Beck on, at all. I wonder what that's all about. Well, when I tell you what it is all about, you're going to understand why. Wednesday night, Glenn Beck was on Tucker's show, and he discussed a whole bunch of actions taken by Dr. Fauci and some fellow physicians of Fauci before the COVID-19 virus hit the United States They started working on it, him and specifically Dr. Ralph Barrick. They started working on it in conjunction with Moderna in 2019, folks. 2019. Now, what were they doing? Well, Dr. Barrick worked with that Dr. She, you remember her? She was the one that was the bad doctor in that. Wuhan Institute of Virology laboratory, where all of this gain of function stuff was being done, weaponizing bats and all those kinds of things, and maybe artificially creating COVID 19. Dr. Shi, Dr. Barrick was working with her. That's where all of this virus made in the Wuhan lab conspiracy came from. Gateway Pundit was the first to report on this and they brought it out in 2020. Nobody picked it up and nobody believed in it. But now it's factual. What's factual, Dan? It's factual that Fauci was involved in this COVID-19 thing up to his eyeballs with Dr. Barrick and Dr. Xi in the Wuhan Institute of Virology all the way back to 2019 and Fauci inserted Moderna into the conversation and guess what folks did you know that the NIAID which is a division of the National Institutes of Health the NIH Dr Fauci's the director of NIAID NIAID gets a percentage of every vaccination sold by Moderna, every COVID-19 vaccination sold by Moderna, there have been a billion doses bought by the United States government. So you think there may be some quid pro quo here? You think there may be some significant hiding of the source of COVID-19 right now? You think there's any reasoning for that? Do you think anybody in this whole conversation might have a little stake, maybe a little financial stake in what's going on there? You know, something we've never been able to get any information about is the structure of Anthony Fauci's income. Now why would that be important? Well, he is a federal employee. In fact, on the top line, what we know about, he's already known to be the highest paid federal employee of all. Second to him would be the President of the United States. So Fauci gets a big paycheck. That's on top of the table. How much from underneath? How much offshore income does Fauci have? How much in offshore assets does Fauci have? Where does all this money go that he is pointed to being involved in financially? on all of these deals, he is uh, on the board of the Gates Foundation. He and the Gates guy and girl, Bill Gates and his ex-wife, they're in the tank together and have been for years. They collude, and collude I know is a bad word. I'm not accusing him of anything, doing anything illegal. There's a lot of talk out there that it's going on. I have no evidence, no facts, so I'm just saying what we do know is Fauci and Gates – collude on a lot of things they work together on a lot of things and a lot of it has to do with virus it has to do with laboratory testing human trials of various medicines vaccines primarily and all of this is coming together and as it's coming together it's looking more and more and more Like there's some nasty stuff that's been going on behind the scenes. And that this entire COVID-19 thing, every day, the conspiracy that it was manufactured from manipulating going on in Wuhan, China, it's becoming more and more credible, more and more believable as little bits and pieces get slipped out into the news world. And thank God there are a few news world people out there that are listening to it. And speaking of listening to, did you hear what Fauci was up to yesterday? Listen to what he recommended for you, for your Christmas, your Hanukkah get-togethers with family and friends. He suggested yesterday in a White House press briefing that American families should think about enforcing a vaccine mandate in their own homes Ahead of these holidays coming up, as fears mount over the spread of now the Omicron variant of COVID 19, Fauci suggested this during an interview with the Washington Post, recommending that families ask their guests coming over to the house Oh, we want you to come have Christmas dinner with us. Or we're going to watch, we're going to have a football watching party on New Year's Day. We want you to come over. But oh, by the way, at our house, if anybody comes to our house in a group, they're required to be vaccinated. So please bring your proof of vaccination when you get here. And by the way, would you bring uh would you bring a pie? We're gonna have everything else taken care of, but you know, dessert. We could appreciate your your help in doing that. This is how families can enjoy their holiday traditions in an indoor setting. Fauci actually said that. When you get vaccinated, And you have a vaccinated group and you're in an indoor setting, you can enjoy, as we have traditionally over the years, dinners and gatherings within the home with people who are vaccinated. That's the reason he said why people should, if they invite people over, essentially ask and maybe require that people show evidence that they're vaxxed or give their honest and good faith word that they have been vaccinated. He continued by giving the Washington Post some data indicating vaxxed people are at a much less risk of hospitalization or deaths in the event they do contract a breakthrough case of COVID. So vaccinated puts you in a much different position than the extreme vulnerability of people who are not vaccinated because all you have to do is look at the data. Look at those areas of the country. Look at those states around the country, those communities that are undervaxed. There's no doubt they have a much higher degree of infection, a much higher degree of hospitalization, and a much higher degree of death.
2: Well, well, well,
1: Florida and Illinois are some of the latest states where Omicron is showing up just days after the first case in the u.s was found in san francisco the cdc announced earlier 19 states have found the omicron variant so far it's the new bad guy in town omicron he kicked delta to the curb fauci has continuously been criticized we've done it here why the biggest thing now is every time something happens where we get over this hump, it appears he moves the goalpost. He moves it back, and he he just gives us another line, another um, another bucket full of his drivel and fear. Oh, there's a new bad guy in town, and we got to change what we're doing. You got to be really, really careful. Scaring Americans is his specialty, and I got to be honest with you. He's a darn good specialist at doing that. Dr. Death. Not Kevorkian. <laughs> Dr. Fauci. Very quietly yesterday, you probably didn't hear about this, but the FDA, they authorized booster shots of Pfizer and BioNTech vaccine for 16 and 17-year-olds. That's a movement to bolster protection against the Delta and Omicron variants. This happened a day after Pfizer said preliminary evidence shows a booster shot gives the most protection against COVID from the variant, though two doses still offer protection against severe disease. Vaccination and getting a booster when eligible, along with the other preventative measures like masking and avoiding large crowds, poorly ventilated spaces, remain our most effective methods for fighting COVID. That's Acting Commissioner of the FDA, Janet Woodcock. As people gather indoors with family and friends for the holidays, we can't let up on all of the preventative public health measures that we have been taking during the pandemic. We know what the COVID gods think. We have a regular phone call with Dr. Fauci, and he is the COVID god. He'll give us the stuff and we'll push it out to you. Don't even look around and dig for facts yourself, folks. If you see anything that's different from what we're telling you, it's a conspiracy. Don't believe it. Boosters are going to be available for anyone in that age group, 16 and 17, who got their initial dose at least six months ago. That's according to Rochelle Walensky, Dr. Rochelle Lewinsky, who's the director of the CDC. So we have the big shots up there saying, this is what you got to do. Now, let me tell you this. I'm not going to rub anything in anybody's face. I'm not going to brag about this over, the, over the COVID lifetime where, you know, even lockdown time and forward since then, we're fortunate. Marianne and I, we live in Shreveport, Louisiana. We have three children two girls and a boy, our boy and his wife live in Fort Worth and both of our girls live here. One girl has twin girls, the other of our daughters has four sons and we are blessed that every holiday, almost every holiday, always Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, we have family all together at one time. Now, let me, let me count it up and tell you what it is. Marianne and I two. We have our three kids. That's five. Um, you add in six grandchildren. That's 11. Uh, spouse, that's 12. So there are at least 12 of us. But then Marianne's mother and Marianne's sister and brother-in-law live here too. So you add all of that in. Now, we don't get in each other's faces, blowing into each other's faces. We don't do that. We're careful, but we we just don't go idiotic. And every one of those get-togethers, if Fauci was if he was looking in, he would guarantee you, "Oh, look at that Newman clan. They're all going to get COVID. Somebody in that group has got it. And they're in this close quarters. They're not wearing masks." None of them are vaxxed. They're going to get it. In spite of the fact that people all around us have been getting COVID-19 since the beginning, some very bad cases, because we're careful, folks, and not Anthony Fauci careful, but common sense medication, healthcare careful, nothing's happened. We're doing the same thing for Christmas. I cannot imagine a time in my life where I would be okay with just avoiding our family getting together at Christmas. Thanksgiving, sometimes Thanksgiving is a different deal because we're very involved in high school football, college football, sometimes you have football games and you're out of town over the Thanksgiving weekend sometimes. I get all that. And sometimes they go elsewhere. You know, both our daughters had uh and have spouses that are from other cities and so in the holidays they got to go share with other family members that's just the way it is but we get it all done and we get it all done safely now why does that work for our clan and according to fauci anybody else that does it somebody's going to die i just don't get it i do understand it what do you understand about it dan It's a power grab. It's a tyrannical power grab by a bureaucrat, unelected bureaucrat. I got to be honest with you, over the last two years, year and a half, maybe, he's been more powerful in politics than has Donald Trump, his last period of being in office as president, and of course, far more power than Joe Biden. 535 members of Congress They normally look at whoever's president at the time. When anything's going on that's legislative-related, and that covers a lot of things, folks, they look at the White House for leadership. They look at the White House for leadership. Are they doing that now? (laughs) I think you know the answer. No. And where they're looking is no better (laughs) because they're looking to Chuck Schumer, majority leader in the Senate, And Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, there is no substance in either place. Now, there's a lot of partisan thuggery there in both places. Very little about what's best for the American people, even though that's all they say they're doing anything for is us. Biden, where does he fit in this? He's got the title. He's got the title of the C-O-O, C-E-O. CFO, all rolled into one of the most powerful country on earth. And he has a problem putting a sentence together. I'm going to let you listen to a little compilation. Joe Biden embellishes everything he said. Everything he says. Everything. You understand what I'm talking about? He embellishes everything. And when he takes a story... Instead of just making one little change in it every once in a while and then remembering the change that he put in at that time just so the next time he told it he could remember that change and just do it exactly the same. Here's a little uh, compilation. Not a big one, a little one. Listen closely. This is the President of the United States talking about specific things, specific numbers in his life that have been very public. Listen to the numbers change. They keep fastidious
5: record of the miles you travel in an America, in America, in Air Force aircraft as president and vice president. And toward the end of my term, fourth or fifth year as president, vice president, seven years in, headline came out in all the papers, Biden travels, I think it was one point. Three or one point seven million miles. Million four hundred thousand miles. One million, I think don't hold the exact numbers, three hundred and fifty thousand miles. A million two hundred thousand miles. One thousand one million three hundred thousand miles on Air Force One. And a guy named Angelo Negri came up, he goes, Joey baby, grab my cheek like that. And he said, Big deal, Joey. A million, whatever it was, 300,000 miles. Two million miles. A million, 200,000, 300,000 miles. You know how many miles you travel in Amtrak, Joey? And I said, no, Angie, I don't. He said, that retirement turn. and we calculated it. We estimated 127 days a year, 119 days a year, 131 days a year, 117 days a year, 121 days a year, 36 years, plus as Vice President, boom, boom, you have traveled over 2 million miles, 1,515,000 miles, 2 million, I think it was 180, but 2,200,000 miles, 2,100,000 miles on Amtrak. It's
1: a true story. I I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. But folks, when you look at the substance, the meat of what you just heard, it is not funny. This is the president of the United States. And this guy, if you remember, ever since Donald Trump took a breath on a public stage and even mentioned politics, Joe Biden has been on the attack about the credibility of Donald Trump. This guy... He wouldn't know the truth if it bit him in the butt. And the saddest thing of all is he obviously has no feelings of concern, no accountability, expects none to be forced on him for anything that he says, and he just gets away with lying out his teeth. That's the president of the United States that's saying those things. What else? Does he embellish about? We're going to look a little deeper. Howdy. The
0: streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. That's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. And those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's the Disney Bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+, Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney Bundle. Streaming at its best.
3: Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit thedisneybundle.com for details.
0: Those in the know like
4: to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select, as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawler or to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries was four seventy-nine, now just two ninety-nine.
1: You know, we mentioned that um, Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine, BioNTech and the Pfizer one, um, they've been approved to give to 16 and 17-year-old kids. But let me tell you what popped up yesterday out of Los Angeles. It's astonishing. One mom in the Los Angeles County School District is saying that her son unexpectedly came home from school this week carrying a COVID-19 vaccine card. And when she asked him about it, he said that he was basically bribed at school with pizza. And he was encouraged also, listen to this, not to tell mom and bad about it. Don't tell mom. Don't tell dad. Maribel Duarte says her 13-year-old boy, a student at the Barack Obama Global Prep Academy in South L.A., brought home a vax card after having accepted the COVID vaccine at school. She said he said yes when somebody offered him a pizza in exchange. The lady that gave him the shot, Mom said, and signed the paper told my son, please don't say anything. I don't want to get in trouble. The LAUSD, that's the school board there, says student matters are confidential. They wouldn't talk to anybody about it, but they did say it's, quote, Safe Schools to Safe Steps Incentive Program. That's what they call this thing. It's meant to ensure several steps are in place for vaccinated students to get prizes. Now, Mom said she's not against the vaccine. She's vaccinated herself. But it's different with her son. He has problems with asthma and allergy problems. Can you imagine? I'm sure that wasn't disclosed to those who gave the shot. Now put this in the context of this. She's not an anti-vaxxer. She's vaccinated herself, but she's concerned about his underlying conditions. How many other students have been given that shot at school without parental consent or even their knowledge? What if some of those students have already recovered from COVID and didn't need a shot? Or what if there's some specific health condition that might draw concern from a family doctor, you know, where you're supposed to go get all your health care ongoing, the doctor that knows who you are and everything about you medically and therefore can make intelligent decisions. You heard us a couple of weeks ago. We had this mother from just outside of New Orleans proper she finds out that her boy, who goes to East Jefferson High School, 16 years old, he was talked into getting a vaccination at school when Ochner's health clinic had a vax bus or van out there giving him away. And They talked him into it. No parental consent. They didn't know anything about him. They didn't see any of his medical records. They didn't know his background. He may have had COPD chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, which impacts your entire breathing system. They didn't know that, and they gave him a shot. Student age 12 and up in the district must be vaccinated, we are told, by early January, or else they could be forced back into Zoom at the house behind a computer. Parents and legal guardians got to get a part of this decision-making process. I don't care what's involved in it when the kids are involved. And this especially is applicable. Folks, we're talking about kids. They're at an extremely low risk of severe outcomes from COVID. In fact, here we go again. We're going across the water. Everything that is COVID-related, it begins in Asia, Middle East, Europe, and then here. Well, foreign countries overseas are already recommending against vaccinating most kids against COVID, and some widely discussed mental concerns have arisen about some rare and reversible side effects among boys and young men in particular. In other words, vaccinating children against COVID should not be a one-size-fits-all proposition. And I got to be honest with you, if the federal government's going to get involved in this, here's the level they need to, and it should be easy to do. It should be part of a law and would, if it's broken, bring felony criminal actions against any anybody that gives a kid any type of vaccination without written and verified signatures of parents or guardians for any of these kids. Now tell me that doesn't make sense. Yet alone be legal or not. I can't imagine a scenario when it would be okay for somebody, and I don't care if it's a freaking doctor, if he doesn't know the specific medical history of any patient. You don't don't start jabbing them and putting stuffs in their body that you have no idea how it's going to impact any pre-existing condition they may have. And let me tell you this, I will bet you good money that in the VAERS report, you know, the report that uh, the CDC puts out there once a week and it gives the exact uh, adverse reactions the previous week that happened around the nation from COVID-19 vaccinations, the one for the period that ended November 26th, it shows 19,532 reported deaths from the vaccinations. The CDC themselves says the real numbers of these particular categories and people within it is and can be as much as 41 times the number that has been reported to them. I will bet you, numbered among the 19,532 in this report, there are some kids that died from adverse reactions to these vaccines that were given to them by people that did not know their medical history. Why are you saying that? Because most kids that don't have comorbidity issues, they do okay. Now, that is 100% my opinion. There's no facts there. Well, there may be facts, but I don't know them. But that's just a gut feeling I have. A lot of the information regarding all of this, it used to be a regular reporting thing for the CDC. They reported everything about any kind of disease, bacterial, any kind of epidemic of any kind anywhere in the world. They reported ad nauseum all the details. But they, step by step from the very beginning of this, they begin to pull back information. They're not putting things out like they used to. Like, for instance, when there started to be some breakthrough infections of COVID-19 every week, they included it in their VAERS report. And then all of a sudden it began to show that, hey, 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 a whole bunch of folks that are getting vaccinated are still getting COVID-19. What's going on? So what did they do? They put out a little disclaimer and said, no explanation, but here's what they said they're going to do. We're just going to include these breakthrough infections, we're not going to report anymore about how many there are because they're just going to be lumped in with all of the other infected people. Now, why would they do that? There's only one explanation. They're doing it because they don't want everybody to know. We do not know what the breakthrough infection percentages are accurately. Nobody's telling us. And unless the CDC reports on it, There's not an entity in the United States that can get a hold of all of the data to give us good numbers. And when there's something that you want to hide and keep from the American people, what a better situation than to be able to hide it because it's kept, it's held at the centers for disease control and prevention, the CDC, where they have access and they're over all of the numbers about everything healthcare related to Americans. Big government. Big government. Have you heard the latest scream from the left? The latest holler? It's actually not a new one. It's 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 a circle back one. A group of Democrats are ramping up pressure on President Biden to use executive authority to just simply cancel billions of dollars. Billions with a B and student loan debt and extend a moratorium on payments that it's going to expire in February. Oh my gosh, we borrowed money to go to school. We, we weren't qualified to go to an Ivy League school, but they let us in and it cost $75,000 a year and I had to borrow money and it's just not right that I have to pay it back. In a letter Wednesday of this week addressed to the White House from Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Elizabeth Warren, Representative Ayanna Pressley. In the letter, they warned the President that millions of families could be hurt financially and the economy's recovery from the pandemic imperiled if Biden does not extend the federal government's pause on student loan payments which is going to end February 1st, unless he does something, help us, help us. We signed the loan. We agreed to pay it back. And now she doesn't have a job, yet alone a job that justifies paying $200,000 over four years for her secondary education. The lawmakers cited an analysis conducted by the Roosevelt Institute which, by the way, is a far-left think tank. And it shows that resuming these student loan payments in less than two months is going to strip 18 million borrowers of $7.12 billion a month and $85.48 billion annually over the next year. You notice they use the term strip 18 million borrowers of that money. Folks, It's money that was given to them for an education for a student, a member of their family. They didn't have to borrow it. They didn't have to. We've been through it now so far four times with grandsons. All three of our kids went through it. It's different now than it was back then. Education costs more now. But you know what has become more and more evident as years go along? Traditional big big, big secondary institutions in the United States, they have just taken over the financial piece of education and have just screwed it all up. I mean screwed it all up. It costs a fortune to go to college now unless you can find a public university or college. They're always less expensive because taxpayers basically fund it. You still have tuition and other costs. But how many in America, how many kids go to universities and don't finish? How many go to those universities and their parents spend a fortune, they borrow money, some of this student loan money we're talking about, and they go all the way through and they graduate, graduate with honors. But then they look behind them and they have a $250,000 student loan bill that's got to be paid at some point in the future. And the only job they are qualified to get is working in a clothing store. And I'm not diminishing working in a clothing store at all. But it's not that six-figure annual salary that they thought they were going to get just by going and getting that degree. And then you look down the road, maybe not on your block where you live, maybe not even in your subdivision, maybe not even in that zip code, but somewhere on the bad part of town. And I'm, not, I'm just painting a picture for comparisons. I'm not saying that everybody that I'm about to talk about lives in a bad part of town. I'm just using it as a comparison. What if somebody that lives across the tracks or they don't have the money to even think about nor the ability to pay back barring a bunch of student loan money to go to a university And instead, they go to community college there, and maybe they get into a trade, one like welding. Now, that's so blue-collarish, it sounds demeaning, doesn't it? A welder, a welder, get dirty. You work for beans, and you work hard. You get cold in the winter because you're outside, and it's cold, and you're around metal, obviously, if you're welding. Or in the summertime, you have to wear all that equipment and that hood to keep from getting burned and you're hot and sweaty. It's just not worth it. But then people coming out of community colleges around here, and there are some really good ones, that go there and get welding two-year degrees. They're starting welding jobs that, by the way, there's huge demand for that. Trained welders around the nation. In some cases, starting at sixty-five, seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Now, isn't that better than spending a quarter of a million dollars to get a great degree at a great institution? But you come out with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar student debt, and the only job you can get is maybe a forty thousand dollar manager's job at Taco Bell, and that's not a bad job. a year starting in a management training program? But with a blue-collar education, you could be making a lot more. So here's what Democrats are saying, and this is a quote. To prevent the student debt crisis from dragging down on our economic recovery, undermining the effectiveness of the American Rescue Plan and causing unnecessary pain and stress for American families. We strongly urge you, Mr. President, to extend the pause on student loan payments and interest too and act to cancel the student debt. How much debt is there? We just told you. Just the payments that are due. If everybody just makes their monthly payments, it's $7.12 billion a month. Now, let me give you the horror of this whole story. Used to, in the old days, almost all public education student loans were handled in the private sector. There were banks around the nation, um, some union Operations, unions, savings and loans that had student debt, student borrowing programs, and they handle it all. They process it, they handle it. They were in charge of getting the repayment, et cetera. Well, leaders in Washington, about nine or ten years ago, they just felt like it was time for the federal government to get involved in it because they know what's better for the education of our kids. They don't have any care about the fact that through the years, the last two decades, we've slipped from being in the top five worldwide in our education results for kids that come through our schools, that we're now in the bottom of of the first hundred. That doesn't matter to them. It's all about power. It's all about control. It's all about money. So during the Obama administration, Barack and Joe just figured out, here's a fix. The federal government's going to take over all that student loan stuff. And we're going to manage it because we got all the money. We have all the power. We're going to do it. So they did. So if Joe Biden would attempt to do it, I would hope that Congress would step in and stop it. But if he even thought about coming in and canceling that debt, who eats that? The American taxpayers. To the tune of $7.12 billion a month, $85.48 billion a year. They're going to try to do that. They are going to try to do that, and they're rabid right now because they still have control of the House, the Senate, and of course, the White House. And if they can get this passed, they see this as a chit that they can put in the game of politics that they could tell all of the parents of these kids, we saved you financially. We canceled your students' debt. And for that, you owe us quid pro. Quid pro. Give us your votes. Give us your votes. You don't think that's what's up, folks? If you don't, yeah, you're living in a different world from the world in which I live. That's the way it works. Follow the money. Follow the money. So we've been talking about domestic stuff here so far. There's more than domestic policy issues. There's more than just dealing with our issues here, and boy, we got a we got a bunch of them. Do you realize racism is going absolutely rampant in the in the United States? Do you remember when um the director of the FBI his last time to go to a Senate hearing and a house hearing when he was asked, what are the worst things and conditions internally that we're facing regarding lawlessness? And you know what his number one one is white supremacy. He was asked, I don't know, two, three, four times. He said the same thing every time he never mentioned black lives matter. He never mentioned Antifa I got to be totally honest with you. There is no doubt there are white supremacists in the United States of America. But, you know, all the stuff that happened up in Minneapolis that started this latest spate that has just gone on and on and on and on of war in the, between races in the streets like never before. What started that was a move in our national leadership To not talk about everything that's bad and label it bad publicly. Create a perception that everything's okay, with the exception of this little sliver, and I mean really, really, really little tiny sliver of criminality going on in the nation. And it's not a racist thing, it's not a racial thing, folks. It comes from anger. It comes from hatred. It comes from educating two generations behind mine that one segment of the American landscape of people is evil just because they're who they are, skin color principally, sexual preference specifically. But there's a whole move in the United States of America to make it, legitimize it, and make it absolute that if you don't, if you don't identify with us, if you don't think about us and our philosophies as being untestable, irrefutable, then you're a bad person. You're an evil person. So this whole thing Joe Biden campaigned on about I've got to unite America. I'm going to unite America. I want to be the president of all the people, not just the president of Democrats. And the buck stops here. Everything bad that happens, we get it. We tackle it. We're going to take responsibility for it. But not only that, we're going to fix it. All that was nothing but fluff. There's no substance there. This president has done, is not doing, and most likely will not do anything or, if any at all, very little to unite this nation on every front. Why? Because he can't. He can't. If he makes four years, and just say for just a moment, for just thought process, if he was to run and get reelected, this president, Joe Biden, cannot fix this problem even if he has eight years to work on it. It wasn't built overnight. He was part of the problem when for eight years he and the president, Barack Obama, began seeding divisiveness and division and weaponizing everything to create and perpetuate and even widen the gaps between Americans because of a lot of differences. Skin color, ethnicity, nation of origin, sexual preference, and make everybody who doesn't identify as one or the other, make them evil. And you just diminish them and put them over here. You throw them in Hillary Clinton's basket of deplorables because they're not worthy. And if you think different from them and act different from them and talk different from them, you're not worthy. You're not worth anything unless you just fall in line and speak the same drivel that they do. I never thought it could get to the level in which we're living in today, but it's horrible out there. I mean, everybody, I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your political perspective is. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or an independent, or if you don't even have a philosophy. I don't care about that. That's your right. But nobody has any kind of right from anywhere to take your thoughts your opinions, what you believe, and diminish it and take action on it based upon anything. Even if you're a nut job and you believe literally that the earth is flat and that the reason it's flat is because Donald Trump did it, I don't care if you think that. You know what? You have the right to think that. And that's okay. I don't diminish you for that. I'll probably privately think that you're an idiot, a lunatic, and that's my right to think, but you have the right to feel the way that you feel too. It's universal. That's the biggest thing that makes the United States the country that over 2 million illegal immigrants have come to. More than that, but 2 million got caught. Why are they coming here? Is it because our inflation is through the roof? Is it because energy prices and the cost of living here are going up in staggering numbers at rates not seen since since 1980? No, they're not worried about that. Until this guy took office and until his policies began to be implemented by the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, This was still a great place where the economy was wonderful. The employment markets were fantastic. Inflation was non-existent virtually. Prices were stable. More people working than ever. More indigent people, formerly indigent people. More people of color. More women. More African Americans than ever before. None of that matters. Why? Because we are the dividers. Joe Biden, I am the divider-in-chief, not the uniter-in-chief. So if you want to get whatever it is that you want from government, get it out of government, you got to listen to me, do what I tell you to do. And anybody who doesn't, you're in the basket over there. You just go sit down and shut up. We'll tell you what's up next. Don't even think for yourself.
0: Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with Sunmade snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmade's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmade's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks.
6: When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends.
4: Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your
2: Wallet. you're typically pretty quiet well i didn't want to be a pain in Uh,
4: uh, uh, the hurry in for the best deals we've had in years money saving rebates on brakes batteries tires and more see
0: your participating ford dealer today guardian of the truth knight of the republic speaker of the facts dan newman on tnn the truth news network
1: Have you heard the latest numbers about American adults and how they feel about Joe Biden? Late yesterday, waited till after 5 o'clock to issue this poll. NPR, not a very conservative news outlet, in fact, far left, they do um, a poll in cahoots with Marist, and their weekly poll came out yesterday. Just 16% of American adults strongly approve of President Biden's job performance it's worrisome it's not just worrisome for the biden administration not just for joe biden but for us in america 16 percent only 16 and folks this is in 11 months can you imagine what americans are going to think about the job this president or any other president is going to be in office does if this is based upon their policies and procedures that have been implemented. This is the way Americans feel about it. 38% strongly disapprove of Biden's job performance, 22 points greater than those who strongly support Biden's job performance. And folks with the independents, which that's the segment of voters that actually elect whoever's elected president. Biden has fallen flat with the independents only 10% strongly approve of his performance a whopping 38% strongly disapprove and that's a 28 point difference democrats five percent of democrats strongly disapprove of biden's performance republicans strongly approve only two percent among white collar graduates a key voting block for dems 35% 35% strongly disapprove of Biden's performance, just 20% approve. Looking further, people under 45 in age also give the president low marks. That's the young folks. He supposedly had the command of their support. Only 8% strongly approve of his performance, 33% strongly disapprove. Now, this is not just a drive-by shooter poll. Almost 1,200 adults, November 30th through December 6th, the margin of error is 3%. (laughs) That 3% margin possibility on these numbers doesn't even dent them. Bottom line is, folks, Americans have awakened, they're looking at facts rather than the symbolic things that are being said in this administration, and they're just not lining up and it's impacting Americans in pretty much every way. Think about it. Health care, education, their treatment of kids, jobs, unemployment, inflation, 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 crime out the wazoo. Every one of those buckets right now, every American is on the downside of where we were a year and a half ago, on every one of those. What's changed? The White House. There you go. Some news out of the Hispanic community this this morning about their support of conservative compared to progressive-slash-liberal things representative Maria Elviro Salazar she's a Republican from Florida yesterday she um, applauded Hispanic voters and the Republican Party on the hills of a brand new Wall Street journal poll shows the demographic the Hispanic demographic is steadily moving to the right she said we're waking up she, The largest minority in the country, 60 million people, 20% of the population. Finally, we're realizing that those values are entrenched in the GOP, God-fearing, law-abiding, tax-paying. And not only that is that the GOP is welcoming us and I'm the best example, that's one and number two of the economy. It's the economy, stupid. Remember James Harville's line. He said it during the Clinton years. The economy is really all that matters to voters because when the economy's right, everything else just all seems to kind of fall in line. What do you think we could come to this country for? To go to Disney World or to go to Saks to shop? Hispanics come because we want to have a better economic life. The last administration, the policies were so good for us and so good for our pocket that that's why we're waking up politically. Not only that, she said, one of the reasons that I'm in Congress is to say to my people, the Hispanics, that the Democrats, the Democrat Party, unfortunately, has been playing political football with us for 30 years, always promising an immigration reform law. It happened during Obama's campaign and his presidency beginning in 2008. It happened during Biden in 2020's campaign. And always what's happened is they always change us or drop us for something else. No more, she said. It's time for the GOP to wake up to welcome us because we are definitely a force to be reckoned with in this country. Representative Maria Elvira Salazar of Florida. Put that name in your Rolodex if you got one. (laughs) She's a player. She's a mover, folks. She's sharp. If you've not heard her, give a speech or do an interview. You need to check her out. She's going to be an important cog in the Republican Party or the conservative party, whichever one's in power, if there is one, going forward. She's going to be a very influential voice. Biden announced yesterday... You're going to love this one. Excuse me. He announced some big plans that he has. What could be bigger than anything he's already talked to us about, right? Well, it does get bigger because this has to do with the world. He has plans. He told everybody yesterday that his government is going to provide funding for the media around the world. Now, where is this coming from? His excuse is he wants to start an effort to support freedom of the press around the world. (laughs) Every day they gripe about conservative media in this country. (laughs) And so you can imagine if he spends a dollar overseas for any media funding whatsoever, it's going to be to some far left outfit. He says this is part of his plan, the Presidential Initiative for Democratic Renewal. And where did this come from? Well, it came from a discussion during an international democracy summit that he held. A free and independent media, it's the bedrock of democracy. It's how public stay informed, how governments are held accountable, he said, during his opening remarks at that virtual summit. He went on to state that he's committing critical seed money to launch a new multilateral effort, our International Fund for Public Interest Media, to sustain independent media around the world. So the moniker they're using, you know, if it's a media thing, it's got to have a three-letter or four-letter name. Theirs is IFPIM. IFPIM, International Fund for Public Interest Media. Media. It was put forward brand new by an initiative in uh, creation by the Luminate Group, which is itself part of the Omidar Group, a philanthropic firm founded by eBay founder Pierre Omidar and his wife Pam. Luminate is currently backing Facebook whistleblower Francis Hogan. According to one fact sheet released by the White House, the U.S. Agency for International Development would be providing up to 30 million bucks to the fund, which it describes as, quote, designed to enhance the independence development and sustainability of independent media, especially in resource poor and fragile settings. $30 million. Now, $30 million, just a drop in the bucket of this or any other presidential administration. But do you think thirty million dollars is going to change the mind, the message, the fundamental basis of the political thinking of anybody anywhere on earth in the media? There's only one thing that could be used for, another, other than uh, enriching somebody's pocketbook, hush money. Hush money. Hey, bury that story. Don't report that story. But do this one. Do these. Don't ever do that over there. And if you listen to us and do what we said, we're the United States of America. We have unlimited pockets. We'll up the ante just to keep you going. Yes, sir. I would be willing to bet somewhere in the daisy chain of operations there is money or power or some combination of both that are being transmitted to these big mainstream networks in the United States. Have you noticed through the years, especially beginning in the Trump administration, it was like every morning somebody made a phone call and every major media, the leftist media outlets were on that phone call. Here's our talking points for the day. And for a couple of years I said that. It just seems like it because they were using the same phrases, the same buzzwords, You could watch Morning Joe on MSNBC and then flip it over to CNN and you could see them covering the same story. But in the story, it may be worded a little bit differently, but at one point in it, there's the same phrases or words. We've actually played a synopsis here over the last couple of years of showing it. Sometimes it's as many as 30 different networks saying the same thing. Television, radio, newspaper all rolled in. And you know what the big deal about that is? It actually exists. Mainstream media have for decades maintained a way for journalists of every media outlet, every media, doesn't matter if it's newspaper, radio, television, they communicate. Now it's over an internet website and you have to ask to be included in it. And if you get in it, what you do is you share the stories, the things that you're going to talk about, and any weaponry that you can suggest for compadres at these other networks and newspapers to do. It's real. It's not a conspiracy. It's been out there. In fact, the first one during the Trump administration was busted because somebody accidentally gave a conservative journalist the login information, and he got in there and he busted CNN on a number of fronts. $30 million. $30 million. Follow the money. Follow the money. Talking about this new thing that Biden's going to start. He said it's going to operate by supporting independent media, including those led by and giving voice to women and other marginalized groups that exists to inform people on the issues that shape their lives, to enable debate and dialogue across society, and to hold those in power to account on behalf of the public interest. Wow. The same person in the government that put that out there said that in addition to this outfit, Luminate, they are receiving initial funding from Craig Newmark Philanthropies, John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, and the National Endowment for Democracy, all are far-left groups and funds. The director of programs, Kajit Patel, told Fox News the fund is independent of all its donors, will be run by an independent board, co-chaired by Nobel Peace Prize recipient Maria Ressa and former New York Times CEO and BBC Director General Mark Thompson. Patel added that IFPIM will focus on low- and middle-income countries in Africa, Asia, South America, and the Caribbean. And then New Zealand and Taiwan have both pledged their financial support. Wow. Don't you just feel warm and fuzzy? They're going to make sure that the truth goes out in the media outside of the borders of the United States. We told you about the support, the new support among Hispanics here in America under this administration specifically. The signs are everywhere, folks. And it's not looking good for the Democrat Party. We published a story, I think it was Monday of this week, and it was about how lost to reality and and doing legislative work are the Democrats that are in power today. The Democrat Party is not just out of touch with ordinary Americans. They're out of touch when it comes to normal Americans. No one introduces themselves to others by preferred pronoun. Nobody does. No one uses the Latinx term either that Joe Biden, he decided to pick it up some months ago. Who says those things like Latinx? Some quality white college-educated liberal. The college faculty lexicon is simply not relatable in any universe except their own. Even Dr. Strange couldn't make that happen. The moral superiority complex liberals have again blinded themselves to the fact that their agenda is simply not popular anymore. Also, when you push back, what do they do? They bring out the one-word labels for you. You're a homophobe. You're a xenophobe. You're a racist. You're a Nazi. The left just cannot deal with people trashing their Bolshevik action items. And the results have led to Hispanic voters flocking to the GOP. Democrat Party operations now admit their advantage has been whittled away They have to fight for them, and they might not know how to do that. This is from the Wall Street Journal. "Quote: The nation's large and diverse group of Hispanic voters is showing signs of dividing its support between Dems and Republicans more evenly than in recent elections. That's a troubling development for the Democrat Party, which has long counted outsize Hispanic support. One year after giving Democratic House candidates more than 60% of their vote, and that's according to polls that were taken at the time, the Wall Street Journal survey found Hispanic voters are evenly split in their choice for Congress now. Ask which party they would back if the election were today, 37% of Hispanic voters said they would support the Republican congressional candidates, and 37% said they would favor the Democrat Twenty-two. Those independents, they're in the middle. They're undecided right now. Hispanic voters were also evenly divided when asked about a hypothetical rematch in 24 of the latest presidential contenders. 44% said they would back Biden. 43%? Donald Trump. Biden won 63% of support in 2020 among Hispanic. That's nearly 30 points more than Donald Trump. Latinos are more and more becoming swing voters. They're swing vote that we're going to have to fight for. That's Democrat pollster John Anzalone, whose company conducted the Wall Street Journal poll along with the firm of Republican pollster Tony Fabricio. Anzalone and Fabricio said the poll showed that economic issues are number one. The biggest concerning among Hispanic voters, drawing Hispanic men in particular toward the Republican Party. And to scare Democrats even more, shifts in some parts of the country were even larger than first thought to be. When it analyzed the 2020 electorate, Equus Labs, which studies specifically the Latino electorate, Found swings toward the GOP of 20 points in parts of Florida's Miami Dade County, 12 points in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, double digit swings in parts of the Northeast. In South Florida, the shift was big enough to flip two congressional seats to the Republican Party. All this stuff we've been sharing with you this morning, every bit of it, it does not phase this administration at all, certainly not sufficiently to get them to make some changes and do anything different. They're just doing the exact same thing over and over and over again, doubling down, tripling down on stupid again and again. And speaking of stupid, and speaking of stupid again and again, our buddy from California, Adam Schiff, he was on CNN on Wednesday. Wolf Blitzer had him come on his show. And he said on Wednesday that even though there are many discredited claims about that infamous Steele dossier combined by that former British intelligence officer Christopher Steele, Schiff said it does not change Donald Trump's corrupt behavior. <laughs> Wolf Blitzer said... Quote, according to CNN and other major news organizations, a series of investigations and lawsuits have discredited many of the infamous so-called Trump dossier central allegations and exposed the unreliability of that so-called dossier sources. Do you worry, Congressman Schiff, that your credibility, other Democrats' credibility, could be hurt by that? and that it potentially could impact how some see this current investigation. Schiff immediately got those big eyes that he has, and he said, oh no, people that have been following the investigation understand the very limited role that the still dossier played, and also understand that while we may now know that one of his primary sources was lying to him, That doesn't change Donald Trump's corrupt behavior. And he continued, it doesn't change the fact that the president's son was secretly meeting in Trump Tower with the Russian delegation to get dirt on Hillary Clinton or that others in Trump orbit were also seeking the gain of the Russian hack of the Democrat Party. The Steele dossier is a nice talking point for kind of right-wing pundits but it's just a distraction from what we did learn. What we did learn was very damning of the former president, of the Russians and his campaign. And then a good journalist like Wolf Blitzer purportedly is to be, he said, did you ever believe those allegations in the Steele dossier? And Schiff said, well, some of those allegations proved to be all too accurate. Of course, he didn't say which ones. He never does. Folks, as recently as three months ago, he said on a national news show when he was asked about the proof that there was no collusion between Donald Trump and the Russians, no changing of the 2016 results instigated by the Russians, Schiff still said there is uncontroverted actual proof that there was collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians in the 2016 election. So he said it. So it's got to be truthful, right? I mean, this guy, he doesn't triple down, quadruple down. on stupid. And he still thinks... The realists in America, there are far leftists that they just swallowed the pill. They're all in for anything negative about Trump. Not talking about those. Talk about everyday Americans. He thinks everyday Americans still believe that crap.
4: In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society the wheel, the printing press the Internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Could switching to Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee 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 all the way home? Wee! Wee wee, wee! wee! wee!
5: Wee! 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 Wee!
6: Yeah? You're home. Oh, cool.
2: Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It's Super Salmon Days down at Fish Brothers. For a limited time, bring in any fish and get a child salmon entree free. You heard right. Bring in any fish and get a free child salmon entree. And I mean any fish. Got a swordfish lying around? Bring it in. Got a goldfish you're sick of feeding? Bring it in. Got a fish that's been sitting in the sun for a few days? Bring it in. We'll throw it in with the rest of them. What we do with the fish is nobody's business but ours. Just enjoy your salmon 8.99 with our famous stew. So, welcome on into Fish Brothers Seafood Theme Restaurant where everything's a great catch
6: except the shrimp.
1: I probably don't need to have to tell you that, but that last ad was uh, a humorous ad. They really don't accept goldfish. (laughs) Oh, well, oh, well, oh, well. You know who we don't hear a lot from in the latest um, political um, period of time? Not much at all. Ted Cruz, Senator from Texas. I'm not sure what's going on. I know he's in the middle of everything. He's just not been as outwardly vocal. But that changed yesterday. Stuart Varney, Fox Business, had Ted Cruz on. And the singular topic that grabbed my attention was the conversation between Ted Cruz and Stuart Varney about how abysmal is Joe Biden's foreign policy. Mr. Senator, in your opinion,
4: how does President Biden look right now on the world stage?
2: Well, Stuart, I have to say it is incredibly dangerous. He looks terrible. Uh, He looks weak Uh, and that weakness is dangerous. this past year, we've seen disaster after disaster from the Biden administration, but as bad as their economic policy has been, been, as bad as their domestic policy has been, nothing has been a greater disaster than their foreign policy. Several months ago, the, the Americans and, and people across the world were horrified as we watched the disaster of Afghanistan, the catastrophe of Biden surrendering to the Taliban, abandoning Americans behind enemy lines and, and, and fleeing in disgrace. And, and that... Decision has consequences, consequences that are going to last years into the future. Because what happened, every enemy of America looked to Washington and they took a measure of the man in the Oval Office. And they determined that Joe Biden is too weak to deter them. And what we're seeing is the bad guys are getting worse. We're seeing Russia and China and Iran and North Korea. Every one of them is getting worse. As we sit here right now, uh over a hundred thousand Russian troops are massed on the border of Ukraine, preparing to invade, and they're invading because they do not believe Joe Biden will do anything. And in fact, with Russia and Ukraine, it's even worse. The direct cause of this Russian invasion that is expected in January or February of next year is that Joe Biden surrendered to Putin and gave him the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which enables Russia to bypass Ukraine for delivering natural gas to Europe, which is why now Putin feels he can invade Ukraine. I don't know what Biden's going to say, say to Ukraine other than sorry for selling you down the river.
1: Robert Gates, former CIA director initially, and then he was uh, secretary of the military. He said this about Ted Cruz. He said it not during this administration, but even before the 26, uh, 2020 campaign. He said this about Joe Biden and his foreign policy stuff. And this is a direct quote. Every foreign policy Joe Biden has ever supported, he's been dead wrong. Every single one of them in 50 years. Now that's a, a real slam, but folks, what you and I are living through right now on the national and the international stage is the fact that his foreign policy sucks. He tells everybody he knows everything about every politician on planet Earth. And then when it comes down, you know, rubber meet the road and make some policy decisions and try to reach agreements or get these foreign leaders to cooperate with him, it's nothing but lip service. He caves on everything. I mean, to be honest with you, look at what's happening in Ukraine In Russia right now. Do you know there are specific reports that are leaking out of this administration on what Joe Biden is planning to do to try to mitigate and keep Russia from invading Ukraine? You know what their plan is? It's leaked out of the White House. They plan to push the Ukrainian government to appease Vladimir Putin. How? By giving up territory to him, voluntarily giving it up. This comes from the Associated Press. So you know for sure, you heard it, we talked about it, Biden held a virtual meeting online Tuesday with Putin, and during that call, Biden threatened an economic response if Russia invades Ukraine. Russian troops have been amassing on Ukraine's border for weeks now. And they've wanted, as Ukraine, to join NATO, but there's never been any real serious push to try to get them in. But it's unlikely to gain membership within the next 10 years or so. U.S. officials reportedly plan to urge Ukraine to grant autonomy to eastern regions that are still controlled by separatists who participated in the 2014 Russia-backed revolt against the Ukrainian government. It's called Donbass, that region. It's in the east. It's held a vague special status since the 2014 uprising. And that's a status that the Ukrainian parliament voted to extend for another year on December 3rd, just a week ago. Biden has previously confirmed that deploying U.S. troops to help Ukraine fend off an invasion is not even on the table, it's not even being considered. He's focusing solely on economic sanctions. Now, what economic sanctions has this country or any country put on Russia that have impacted Vladimir Putin in any way, changed his way of acting? When any country, especially the United States in the past, has locked down some of their economic outlets, pretty serious stuff, what does he do? He picks up the phone and calls Xi Jinping in China, Uh, He heavy hands somebody like the leader of Turkey, other countries that he has something on, some holdover, and he makes up the slack that he's losing from us here in the United States. Biden said, we have a moral obligation and a legal obligation to our NATO allies if they were to attack under Article 5. It's a sacred obligation, Biden said. Duh, they're not in NATO. That obligation does not extend to NATO, I mean to Ukraine. Again, he forgot where he was and what he was talking about. But it would depend upon what the rest of the NATO countries were willing to do as well. But the idea that the United States is going to unilaterally force use force to confront Russia invading Ukraine is not on, it's not in the cards right now. What will happen is there will be severe Consequences. Now, it's not just the critics, it's not just the experts, the foreign policy experts, the average Americans like me. I've said from the beginning his stance on Ukraine is sending a message of weakness to the world, and particularly, folks, not to Russia, but to China. Reporters also pressed the White House on the message that Biden's Ukraine response may send to China it may send a bad message to China. China has long mirrored Russia's aggression toward Ukraine with its own threats. And many of the experts are saying that if Vladimir Putin goes ahead and he goes in and invades Ukraine, China will do the same thing to Taiwan at the same time. Wow. Wow. The United States is going to take every action we can take from the point of view of both deference and diplomacy to make sure that the Taiwan scenario you just described never happens and to try to avert the invasion into Ukraine. That's from that brain surgeon national security advisor in the White House to Biden, Jake Sullivan. That is the object of our policy right now. Those are the steps we're taking. And if I was Vladimir Putin and I was looking at the Biden presidency, and people within that administration, like Jake Sullivan. Um, I would laugh at anything Sullivan says. Why would I do? Just look look at what this administration has done in foreign policy. Number one, what about Afghanistan? That's the only one that even needs to be discussed in the context of this Ukraine debacle that's going on now. Putin already knows, not because of what Biden has said, but because of what Biden has done, he has no kahunas. He has none. He is nothing but talk, symbolic symbolism over substance. There's no substance there. A threat is nothing but hollow. Throughout his career, anytime he's been in a position to make situations happen, For the entire nation, which hasn't been many, you remember how he messed up everything. You know, when we pulled out of Ukraine, excuse me, out of Iraq during the Obama-Biden administration, we pulled out. The military experts said, don't do it, don't do it, we're not ready to pull out, but because Obama talked to some of his buddies and they said, you need to go ahead and pull out, Joe pushed the project. In fact, when when Obama had that conversation, he couldn't figure out what was the best to do. So what did he do? He made Joe Biden the fall guy. But Joe, oh, he jumped on the national, international stage. We've got this. I'm in charge. And he led the withdrawal out of Iraq. And guess what happened a year and a half later? Bam. We had to go back in. And Hundreds and thousands of people were killed there because we pulled out the first time. We didn't stay. We didn't leave a residual force. And everybody in the Middle East looked at us and said, feckless, no problem. They can't hurt us. We're just going to keep on doing what we do, and they're not going to be able to do anything to stop us. Look what he did in Afghanistan. That was not a pullout. There are still Americans in hiding in Afghanistan that can't get out. Joe Biden left Americans behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. We're 115 days or so past that pullout, and there still are people there. This government hasn't gotten anybody out. There are private citizens that have, but not this administration. That's a wrap on the day, folks. Thank you for joining us at TNN Live. Don't forget at truthnewsnet.org tomorrow morning, our weekly Saturday bullet points offering. It's a great way to catch up on the week. In fact, through the weekend, that's our most read story of the week every week. Busy Americans, busy followers here, they want to make sure they didn't miss anything. It'll go live at 3 a.m. Why don't you wait up? <laughs> And of course, over the weekend, we'll grab everything that we'll have it all fresh for you first thing Monday morning. Have a wonderful weekend. Make it family-oriented. Interject yourself in the lives of other people that you heretofore haven't done in a special way. It's a holiday season. And for many Americans, the Christmas holidays are tough times. Everybody, we all have bad things that happen to us but this is the time of the year not to forget about them, but to put them behind and just find somebody, smile and very truthfully say, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Have a great weekend, folks.
6: Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through, but I still have one wish to make. A special one for you Merry Christmas, darling We're apart, that's true But I can dream And in my dreams I'm Christmasing with Days are joyful. There's always something new, but every day is a holiday when I'm near to you. The lights on my tree, I wish you could. I wish it every day The logs on the fire fill me with desire To see you and to say That I wish you Merry Christmas